Welcome back to our study on eschatology. This is our third session on eschatology. We talked first about why eschatology matters, and then we started our study of personal eschatology, what's going to happen to us at the end of our lives, and then later we'll move on to cosmic eschatology, what's going to happen at the end of the universe as we know it, the cosmos. So as we started personal eschatology, we talked last time about death, what does the Bible say about death, and how is that, uh, how has death been transformed by the gospel for those of us who are believers. And today we're going to talk about Burial. What does the Bible say about burial or what we should do with our bodies once we die? And is there a Christian way to think about and practice burial? Now, when you hear the phrase Christian burial, you might think about certain rites or rich rituals that uh, sometimes accompany uh, burial for someone. That's not what I'm talking about when I say Christian burial. I just mean is there a biblical way for Christians to think about and practice burial? Now, in one sense, the answer to that question is no, in the sense that the Bible does not give any clear commands or instructions about what all Christians are supposed to do about burial. So um, there's, no, there's no verse in the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, that tells us what all of us are supposed to do in terms of uh, dealing with our, our bodies or the bodies of our loved ones once we've died. So in that sense, there is no Christian burial. There is no passage in the New Testament or in the Old Testament that gives us a uh, sort of comprehensive set of instructions of what all of us should do to, uh, when we die or when someone that we love passes away. But the Bible does tell us some significant truths and give us a significant pattern that ought to shape the way that we think about and practice burial or whatever we're going to do whenever um, somebody passes away. Oftentimes when this a uh, question comes up now and somebody dies uh, or somebody's thinking about you know planning their own funeral or, or thinking about um, preparing for the, the death or funeral of a loved one, oftentimes people will ask about cremation, that there's a, a lot more um, conversation going on about cremation and a, and a lot more practice, it seems, of cremation um, here, I don't know, in the last let's say 10 or 15 years or so. Uh, and so lots of people have questions about cremation. Is it wrong? Is it unbiblical? Um, does it pose a problem uh, for when Jesus returns and our, our bodies are supposed to be raised if, if we're cremated? Is, does that pose a problem? And um, the, the short answer is that the Bible does not, uh, again, does not tell us anything does not give us a, I mean does not give us a clear command about this does not say that it's a sin to be cremated it doesn't say that anywhere um, it doesn't uh, command us to be buried as opposed to being cremated um, and so it, in that sense there's no uh, clear-cut God says this thus saith the Lord answer uh, to the questions people raise about cremation um, we can say um, uh, one thing 
is that the cremation does not pose a problem for the resurrection. Um, in, w in one sense, what cremation does is accelerates what happens to the body when we die. Right? When you think about it, there's, there's not a huge difference between uh, the state of somebody who has been cremated and the state of somebody who was buried a thousand years ago without some serious you know, embalming techniques or something. Um, it all comes to the, to the same thing. We are all from the dust and to dust we are all going to return. Cremation accelerates that process. Um, and also you think about the many ways that people um, have died, right? Some people tragically die in fires or they are drowned or whatever and, and it's not possible um, to bury their bodies. Uh, and so would that also pose a problem for the resurrection? And of course, none of those things pose a problem for the resurrection. If God was able to form our bodies from the dust in the beginning when he made Adam and Eve, then surely he's able to raise us from the dead, whatever state our bodies might be in uh, when Jesus comes back. So there's no concern, there ought to be no concern about whether cremation somehow hinders the work of God in raising us from the dead at the return of Christ. That's not an issue. Um, it's not a, not a problem. What we do want to think about, though, as we look at the scripture together today, is we want to think about <clears throat> what does the Bible tell us? If it doesn't give us a clear command, doesn't give us clear instructions or rites or rituals to follow, what does it tell us about burial and how, and, and how should that make us think about um, what we should do or what we should want others to do for us uh, when it comes time, when our, our life comes to an end. All right, so uh, I want us to look together at a series of passages that are about the burial of several different people in the Old Testament and what their burial um, has to do with how we should think about our death and what happens to our bodies when we die. Um, because uh, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is that um, one of the things that gives us pause about cremation is that um, it is normally a, associated with a with a pagan worldview. I'm not saying that everybody who practice, who you know uses cremation is pagan. I just said a minute ago, right? It's not sinful. I'm saying it's normally associated with paganism and burial is usually associated with Christianity and with Judaism. And uh, part of the reason for that is that um, Jews and Christians both believe in the resurrection of the dead and they both believe in the goodness of the body, uh, that God made our bodies good. And so, and we both believe in a coming day of resurrection. Uh, so, uh, that's part of the difference. But let's, let's look at the Bible and see what we can learn from the family of Abraham about how they practice burial and how that should help us as we think about uh, what it would mean for us as Christians to uh, how we should handle our bodies when we die. So we're going to start in the book of Genesis and uh, chapter 23. This is a chapter that, you know, if you were preaching through this, the story of Abraham or something, uh, People might 
skip over it, thinking it's insignificant. It's the chapter about Sarah's death, but it actually is incredibly significant, and uh, you'll see why as, as we go through this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because we've got several other passages I want you to look at, but I want you to look especially at verse 19. What's happened here is that Abraham has been promised the land of Canaan, he has been living in the land of Canaan, but so do the other nations. They still um, inhabit Canaan. God has not given Abraham the promised land yet, but that's where he's been living. And uh, he has left the land of his kindred, his, his homeland where he came from. He left that long ago. And so now he is a sojourner, the Bible says, in the land of Canaan. And his wife Sarah has died. Now, what's he going to do? Is he going to go back to where he and Sarah are from and have her buried there? Or is he going to bury her in the promised land, a place that is not his country, uh, where he does not have many kinsmen, and a place where he owns no property? Well, in Genesis 23, what he does is he asks if he can purchase a piece of property from a particular man uh, there in the promised land so that he can have a place to bury Sarah, his wife. And most of the chapter is a negotiation between a Abraham and uh, this man in the presence of some of the other men in the area uh, for the purchase of this property. And they go back and forth, but they end up with Abraham buying it for 400 shekels of silver or something like that. And then verse 19 says, After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave, verse 20, that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. Now, there's two things at least that are significant, significant about this right off the top. Number one is, this is the first piece of the promised land that Abraham owns, and it's a place for burial. Uh, this is the first fulfillment of God's promise to give Abraham the land of Canaan, and it came through the purchase of a field where he could bury his dead. Second thing is, he chose to bury Sarah in this land where he is currently a foreigner, but that God has promised to give him. Right? That's both of those things are significant. And uh, this, is gonna, this story unfolds uh, further as you read through the book of Genesis. So um, later in Genesis uh, 25, Abraham dies. And verse 9 says of, of Genesis 25, Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre. Verse 10, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittite. So Abraham himself is then later buried in this um, same field, right? That same area. And then at the end of the book, in Genesis 49, as Jacob is about to die, and he's blessed his 12 sons, uh, verse uh, 29 of Genesis 49 says, Then he commanded them, his sons, and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. And notice this, verse 31. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. Rachel was buried, I think, near Bethlehem because they were traveling at the time. 
Verse 32, the field and the cave that is in it were bought from the Hittites. So Jacob says, Abraham and Sarah were buried in this field. Isaac and Rebekah were buried in this field. I buried Leah in this field. And I want to be buried in this field or in this cave. Right? That's, I want to be buried in the same place. Now remember, at this time... Jacob is in Egypt. There was a famine, and Joseph was raised up to second in command, and, and you know the whole story. And so Jacob and his sons, they're in Egypt, and though they're in Egypt, Jacob says, bury me back in the field in Canaan that Abraham bought. Now, so why does Abraham not go home to bury Sarah, back to where he's from, but Jacob wants his body to be taken back to the promised land, to Canaan, in order to be buried. The reason is because God has promised them the land of Canaan, and by their burial, they are demonstrating their belief in God's promise, their conviction that that is where God is going to plant and prosper his people. And so that's where they want to be buried. The same thing happens in Genesis 50, as Joseph reaches the end of his life, and uh, Genesis 50, beginning in verse 24, it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land, to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph knows that God is going to bring the family of Israel out of Egypt back to the promised land. And he knows that because God told Abraham that back in Genesis 15, that all this would take place, that they'd be, you know, uh, they'd uh, be sojourners in Egypt for 400 years, and then God would bring them back out and so on. So Joseph knows God's going to bring them back to Egypt, or to be back to the promised land from Egypt. And so he says, when God visits you, when God rescues you from Egypt, brings you back from Egypt, I want you to bring my bones with you and bury me in the promised land. So in Exodus 13, when the people of Israel are leaving Egypt after the final plague, Moses takes the bones of Joseph with him in Exodus 13, 19. At the very end of the book of Joshua, Joshua 24, 32, it's almost the last verse, not quite the last verse, but almost, uh, we're told about the burial of the bones of Joseph in the promised land. Now, Again, the reason all that's significant is because it's demonstrating their faith in the promise of God. Would it have been wrong for Joseph to be buried in Egypt and stay there? No, there's nothing wrong with it. But by giving instructions to his family about his bones being carried back to the promised land when God visited them and wanted to be buried there, he demonstrates his faith in the promise of God. And in fact, this is, seems to be what the writer of Hebrews is picking up on, at least in part in Hebrews 11, in that faith hall of fame. There's this line in Hebrews 11:13. after it's been talking about Abraham and Sarah. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. How does he know that they died in faith? Well, I mean, on the one hand, they didn't stop believing. But on the other hand, we have positive evidence that they, uh, like the, that Abraham was still believing when he died, um, and, uh, and, or of Abraham and Sarah, uh, because of where they were buried, right? Abraham uh, believing when Sarah died, and uh, 
planting her there in the promised land, and the same happened for himself. Right? And so I think at least in part, the evidence for them continuing to believe up until their death is um, where they were buried, right? And the fact that they were buried in the promised land. Um, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 22 says, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Just what we've been saying, right? That his uh, instructions about being buried in the promised land, that was an act of faith. He did that because he believed the promises of God. Now, again, there were no strict instructions from God about them being buried in the promised land. He didn't say that they had to be, but they were, and the reason why they were was because of their faith in the promise of God. So how does that apply to us? Where is our faith? Our faith is in um, Christ, of course, and in the promise of his return and of our resurrection at his return. So that is why Christians typically, traditionally, practice bodily burial is because it's a way of signaling that we believe not only is the body good and a gift from God, but also that our bodies will be raised from the dead. Now, like we said at the beginning, can your body be raised from the dead if you're cremated? Absolutely. Does the Bible say that it's a sin to be cremated? It doesn't. But... What I want us to think about is what are we communicating to people um, by the instructions that we give about our death, like Joseph, like Jacob. Right? As they gave instructions about their death and, and their burial, um, they sh- demonstrated their faith through the instructions that they gave. What are we saying to people, to our family, to our friends, to uh, the world around us, what are we saying through the instructions that we give about our death? Are we communicating our hope in the gospel, our hope in Christ, our hope in the resurrection of the dead? Um, That's what uh, physical bodily burial uh, is typically for. Now, you know, it's become so common that maybe a lot of people don't think about it, but now that it's becoming uh, in some ways less common or at least less um, universal, uh, people are thinking about it more. And so um, there's even more of a sense in which we can communicate to people what we believe uh, by what we practice when it comes to our death. So I hope that helps you think about um, a, a sort of a biblical approach to thinking about burial and, uh, and about death as a Christian. Uh, doesn't answer all the questions. The, the Bible doesn't give us all the answers, but the Bible does give us patterns and principles and um, things to to think about and to be shaped by. And so I hope maybe you'll dig even deeper into um, the story of Jacob and the story of Joseph and the instructions they gave and how they handled their approaching death um, and other passages uh, as well. And think about how should the the practices and, and stories in the Bible, how should those shape the way that I think about how I can honor the Lord and glorify God in my death? Because unless the Lord comes back before it, all of us are going to die. All of us are going to pass away. But we have hope, right? We have hope in the gospel. We have hope in Christ who not only died in our place, was buried in a tomb for just a few days, rose from the dead, and one day will return to take him with us. We praise the Lord for that and look forward to that day and say, come Lord Jesus.